0: Most people don't don't breathe, they don't consciously breathe. And if you're listening to this, I just want you to reflect like, when's the last time you've taken like a conscious breath, where you just like, breathe all the way in and breathe all the way out.
1: Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory Podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. All right, balances. Today's guest is a former NFL athlete turned entrepreneur, podcast host, and founder of The Heart Collective, which is a conscious community built for entrepreneurs, leaders, and visionaries who are focused on using their gifts and talents to impact the world. Today's guest is also a psychosomatic coach trained in non-ordinary states of consciousness work who specializes in curating a safe space for healing, growth, and connection. It's my pleasure to introduce Joe Hawley to the Balance Theory podcast. Joe, a huge welcome. It's such a pleasure to be able to sit down and chat with you today.
0: Hey, Erica. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Me too. Now, why don't you share with the listeners a little bit about where you're tuning in from and uh, how's life on your side of the world?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. You got a global audience. Um, so I'm, I'm in the U S living in Austin, Texas, which is an interesting place to live currently. It's, uh, I feel like it's, it's changing a lot. It's growing a lot. And there's so many people moving here. It's, it's almost becoming a Mecca of this new way of being and this new way of life and this remote work. And, um, there's a big entrepreneurial community here as well. So it's just a really amazing place to live. It's really hot right now though. So.
1: Yeah. Oh, awesome. Have you always lived there or is it just a recent move for you?
0: Um, no, I lived I grew up in Orange County, California, Southern California. Um and then I, you know, played in Atlanta for the Falcons for 5 years, uh and then Tampa Bay, uh which is in Florida for 3 years, and then I traveled around in my van for 2 years around the entire country, and so I just I landed in Austin about 3 years ago. Um and kind of spent the majority of the pandemic here and had a place in Colorado as well, but really love traveling, really have a nomadic spirit. And uh yeah, I love adventure.
1: Awesome. And uh, so I did introduce and you, you kind of just touched on it as well that you were a former NFL athlete. Can you talk to us a little bit about the shift? So when you kind of hit pause or stop on that career and switched to being an entrepreneur, what kind of prompted that shift? And, and what was that like kind of leaving something that you'd been working on for so many years and then take you know doing a complete flip.
0: Yeah, it was uh it was one of the 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 biggest transitions of my life, uh biggest defining moments. Uh you know, I played football for 16 years of my life. I think it was like 13 years old to 29 years old and accomplished a lot, became one of the best in the world at it. Um, and my 8th year in the NFL Decided it was time uh, to walk away, and yeah, it was. It was an interesting. There's a lot of factors that went into that decision. My body was breaking down. I uh, was tired of having to prove myself to the world, to my coaches, to you know, it's just such a hyper competitive environment that I had to just keep showing up, and I was just exhausted in a lot of ways. And um, so, my final year, I decided, you know what? There's something calling me. To let go of this, to be done with it, uh, to move on. I wanted to know what, what the freedom would feel like from this game that had defined me for so long. Because a lot of people have this idea, right? I mean, it was it was a childhood dream. Like so blessed to be able to play and make it to this level of competition, one of the biggest sports in the world. Um, and it got to a point where I felt like I didn't have a choice. Like I, I. It was like a prison of my own creation and I didn't know what life was like outside of it because I had gotten myself to this point where to just let it go, like how could I do that? And so when I decided it was time to let it go, it was actually like a, an unraveling process and it was really quite quite challenging. You know, my, my parents, I didn't feel super supported by them walking away because they're like, why would you say no to millions of dollars and just walk away from your childhood dream? Um, my fiance at the time didn't really understand it. Um, ended up breaking off that engagement and really just like my whole life got turned upside down because I decided to, you know, walk away from this thing that had defined me for so long. And in that process, I really didn't know who I was without it. And so that led me on a, on a journey of, of self-discovery, of, of healing, of adventure, of, you know, exploring this freedom that I always wondered about. And finally had an opportunity to explore, but with that became a, came with it a lot of unknown, a lot of uncertainty, but also created a lot of excitement and um, got to experience a lot, traveled a lot, and uh, yeah, started getting into to entrepreneurship and we can get into that. But yeah, the first like couple years of that transition was really all about trying to find myself again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, very timely, actually, that we're having this conversation. And I suppose just for your reference too, only recently in uh, in April, I stepped away from a corporate job. So I was a finance lawyer for about three or four years in Sydney. And I kind of hit pause on that to explore some other passions, one of which includes this podcast and this whole space and arena of self self-growth and discovery. And I have a very, very similar experience to you in that once you let go of that title, that thing that you think defines you, it's quite scary to ask yourself, well, what's actually left? And you realize how much you define who you are and your worth within the parameters of that title. And I and I only bring this up um, for people listening. doesn't necessarily matter if you're not in a position where you're you know, making some grand shift in your life or you're changing your career. But I think it serves as a really nice reminder to reflect on how do you actually see or define yourself and your worth, And if it is tied up in in the parameters, like you said, you kind of had created this box where your whole life fit in and you didn't really know what that looked like outside of that box. I just think it serves as a really nice reflection for people to remind them that they're not their jobs. It might be what they are, uh, what they do, sorry, but it's not who they are. And I think it's a really important question to ask because I also had a similar experience when I stripped that away. There was all this uncertainty and a lot of unlearning that I had to do to actually get to the core of, well, what are my values? What do I care about? What do I enjoy? What are my passions? Um, All these things that only come when you remove those limitations and give yourself a bit of space. But it's certainly um, a very unsteady, uncertain and uncomfortable experience. Uh, but I think that process is kind of like, it's like this moment where you feel lost, right? But you, it's a really beautiful moment to kind of rediscover yourself and you have to almost wipe the board clean to be able to create some new impressions. Um, what would you kind of say to anybody who potentially might be feeling that way? Maybe they're like you, they had that idea of, I want to explore what that freedom feels like, but it's really scary and uncomfortable. Maybe they're in the thick of it. Um, do you kind of have any tips on, how you navigated that? Because I personally also found it quite challenging.
0: Mm. Yeah. Oh man. There's uh There's so With many. With retrospect,
1: tools. of course, in hindsight. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, the advice I would give is is learn learn to listen, and what I mean by that is is slowing down enough and creating enough space within your life to listen to what your soul or your heart or your higher self or whatever you want to call it, that voice within you that communicates to you through your nervous system and can communicate if you give it enough space. And you can do this by, by journaling, asking yourself questions, and in writing, free writing. You can find this through meditation, through walks, through travel. But <clears throat> until you really listen, you're not going to know right? And if you're in a place where you feel like, man, I I need to change something in my life isn't right. There's that's, that is that thing that we're speaking about. That thing is communicating to you. So if you feel unhappy, if you feel unsatisfied, if you feel like your nervous system is always dysregulated or in a fight or flight response, or you're just, you're just not finding flow within your life or you're feeling just like kind of, yeah, not feeling good, then that is the thing communicating that something needs to change. So what is that thing? That's, where it takes some time and space to really contemplate like what am i being called to do and it's usually being called to let go of something that is no longer serving you i feel like we're on a time it, in a time right now on our planet where a lot of people are being called to make massive shifts in their lives and this can be external shifts like a job a relationship a geographic location or this could be you know an internal shift of a story a belief pattern a habit And I just know everybody in my life and then me personally, there's just a lot of stuff coming to the surface. And it can be very challenging if you don't have the tools to really slow down. And so once you slow down and listen, and then you start discovering, okay, what is the thing I'm being called to change? And if it's a, it's a probably more than likely, like people are listening to this, it's probably a big thing. Cause even if it's a small thing to me, subjectively, whatever we're being called to let go of, Even if it's a small thing to somebody else, like if it's probably the biggest thing in our awareness in our lives right now, currently. And so no matter what it is, it's probably going to feel pretty challenging. So the next thing is to find the courage within yourself to honor what your soul is calling you to do. And this is what really separates people is the people that have the courage to do the thing. And for me, it was walking away from the NFL when everybody in my life said, You're crazy. What are you doing? Like, you're going to say no to $4 million next year and just walk away. Like, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but I can't be doing this anymore. And something's telling me that it's time to walk away. And so, a lot of people that have followed my journey, they might look at that and be like, Oh, well, that was easy because you made a lot of money. It's time to walk away. You can do whatever you want because you had all this money, all this free time, all this space. But for me, it took a tremendous amount of courage to let go of everything I'd ever known and leave it behind. Even my partnership, my relationship, I gave everything I owned to charity and I went and traveled the country in a van because I wanted to I wanted to find what that thing was. I didn't really know at the time. And that's the challenge too is a lot of people, they feel called to let go of something or make a change, but they want to know what the next thing is before they let go of it. But what we're being called to do is let go of the thing without knowing what's next which is yeah. brings up a ton of fear because we're going, being called to let go, to go into the unknown. And then you have to sit in the unknown long enough for the new to be presented to you. And Absolutely. that is a process that is, uh, it's I think, er, so many people are being called to it, if not everybody. And for me, it takes slowing down to listen, the courage to make the choice, and then really finding community to feel supported so you don't feel alone through the process.
1: Yeah. No, that's really beautiful. I can definitely relate to a lot of what you said there. And I think the biggest thing is uh, I I can definitely resonate with that. You just want to know what's next. So you have the courage to let go. But one thing that kind of helped me in that moment of fear, uncertainty was this knowing that I actually am not going to be able to absorb or take on the new until I let go of the old. And it's like you need to, you actually need to create that space for whatever's next to come in. Like it physically just doesn't have capacity in your life until you do that work or you let go. Um, but speaking of, I suppose, tuning in, listening to that soul message and finding out what that is, I know obviously through your process now that led you to founding the Heart Collective. And I would love for you to share a little bit about. I guess, the beginning of it and and what your mission is through that.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's uh, It's been quite a journey. Um, where should I start with this? I think I should start with why I wanted to become an entrepreneur because about <clears throat> most of my career, I loved football so much, I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be involved in the game of football in some way. And it wasn't until I started <clears throat> learning to listen about... My sixth or seventh year in the league, a couple of years before I retired, I started developing these tools, I started meditating, I started listening, and I realized that if I wanted to be a coach, I wouldn't have an opportunity to have as big an impact that I'm feeling called uh, to serve with. You know, I could be a coach, I could have 50 to 100 guys on a team that I impact each year, and it kind of rotates. But what I realized is there's, a, there's kind of a cap. On the amount of people I can impact, and when I started getting into like business and entrepreneurship, there's really no ceiling. Like the opportunity is infinite. Like whatever you can dream of, you can build. And I thought that was really cool, really fascinating. And so that was kind of what started my journey into entrepreneurship. Uh, When I first walked away from the game, there was like little things I was doing to learn. But and I read all these business books, and then basically they all said the same thing: you gotta you gotta fail. Fail fast, learn fast. The only way to learn is through experience. So just start, start trying stuff, start doing it. And um, so I just, I did that, and I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, had a couple different investment opportunities, different businesses I got involved in with different partners, and um, yeah, learned a lot. Let's just say that I lost a lot of money, uh, but I learned a ton, and I'm really grateful that I just decided to say yes. And gotta have uh, skin
1: in the game to learn.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, um, and so about, about three years ago, um, it was on the back end of my van life trip, uh, I was traveling around the country and I said, you know, okay, now what, what's my, what's my real purpose? Like, what am I here to do? I'm ready to dive in. And I got this, uh, this hit to start. Uh, a community to help support former male professional athletes because the journey had just gone on, like I just described earlier in the show, how challenging it was, how hard it was, how I didn't know who I was, how I needed to travel and go through this journey of self-discovery and healing. I thought if I had a community to plug into right after I was done playing, uh, that would have been really powerful and I would have loved it. And there, you know, after doing some research, there was really nothing out there like that. And you would think there's a lot of resources for former Professional athletes, uh, and it 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 feels a little bit more like smoke and mirrors. It seems like there's a lot of offerings, but a lot of them are very superficial, and uh, it's kind of not super coherent. There's like four or five different nonprofits all funded by the NFL that all help former athletes, but they, it's like I don't really know where my benefits or resources are. So then that's kind of that's how the Heart Collective kind of started, and through that process, uh, I really learned a lot. I was building the community and realized it was just a too niche of a of a community offering as far as like the clientele. And I got about, I think the most I have is like 15 athletes in it, but it just it wasn't sustainable as far as a business goes. So I had to pivot. And so about a year ago, I decided to open it up to more than just athletes. I let go of the athlete piece, and it's kind of shifted and molded a few different times over the last year and a half. And it's been a real insane journey of of trust, of letting go, of listening. Of what does this thing want to become? What is it here for? Who is it here to serve? And we're just now landing on um, heart led leadership, which that's something that feels like it's always been a part of this the heart collective. But we just went through this process of really uh, anchoring in our vision statement and like realigning with who we are. And this heart led leadership presented itself. And it just feels really good that um, that's what we're building community around is is leading from the heart, and that you know requires all these tools I spoke about earlier. It t- requires courage. It requires alignment. It requires being able to slow down and listen to what your heart's calling you to do. And I truly believe that you know, with business, with culture, with society, with you know, politics, with any type of leadership in our world the real issue is not the systems that we've created, but the people who are running them and the leaders who are running them. And we have just a lot of immature, psychologically immature leaders who are egocentric, narcissistic, and they're not leading from the heart. And the ones that do, it's pretty, you can tell because they're leading with compassion, they're leading with connection, they're leading with openness. And so we're really passionate about bringing these principles of heart-led leadership into business and business culture to start. So we have a beta program going right now where we we take uh, leadership teams uh, from small to medium-sized businesses uh, through a uh, through leadership training program um, and teach them uh, different tools and um, concepts on how to lead from the heart. And then we have um, – so that's kind of our, our business side. And then we have the community side which is um, a growing community of individuals who want to be better heart-led leaders of self, heart-led leaders of others. And our real our real um, offering is around uh, creating sacred circles and sacred space for people to feel comfortable and safe to really talk about what they're moving through and be vulnerable. And um, that, I feel, is really one of the big things that's missing in our society and culture is, is really an, an opportunity to create sacred space, which creates connection, vulnerability, authenticity, and being able to share. And that's what creates real community and bonds. Um, so we have kind of two different things. We have the business training, and then we have the the online uh, community. And through the community, we host retreats, um, gatherings, and we're starting a lot more local, but we're going to eventually uh, bring it to the entire world at some point.
1: That's beautiful. And I think it's quite nice how you did mention that back in the day you wanted to be a coach and, and you did, you know, you realize the limitations in that, but I think through the work you're doing now, you almost have that opportunity to teach and kind of cultivate and lead people through a program, which is kind of like your soul work paired with something that you kind of felt called to originally. So I think that's quite nice, but I I love the mission and um, the heart collective was something that I came across and I felt personally drawn to. So I guess that's what, what's led us to having this conversation here and today. And I think, the whole concept of, you know, being intuitive and and listening to your heart is something a lot of people struggle with. I think a lot of people um, can't hear themselves or cannot feel their heart because I think just the way that we're raised in schools and then the way we get dropped into a lot of, you know, roles or university, -university, post-university, you're not really required to lead from the heart. You're required to work in a way that at times can feel a bit robotic. Um, and I think the way the workplace is structured as well is not necessarily conducive either to this holistic approach, I suppose, to community. Um, and one thing I found in corporate, I'm not sure if you found this through your through the NFL or any other jobs you've sort of had, is I feel like there can often be quite a high-level superficial approach to wellness. And a lot of the complaints and reasons people don't really like the corporate culture is because of this coldness about it. It's this, um, you know, everybody feels like a number. It doesn't have this warming nature to it. And so I'm really um, interested to see, I suppose, how your your work and your courses go with, I suppose, teaching leadership from the heart. And I think the principles that can overflow from that to, to people every single day to just learn and do that for themselves. Because if you can teach people to do that, those people then have children who they'll teach to lead from the heart. And it's sort of like a knock on effect, but I suppose mm-hmm. it's just a really, really um, top line comment or tip, maybe from your own experience, what's helped you the most connect to your heart. Now that could be like a tool or a tip, um, Maybe something you've already mentioned, but something that you find most effective for yourself to tap into your heart.
0: Yeah, beautiful. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's funny. I've been on this journey, even trying to, like, through the process of creating this program and, you know, trying to, like, what is the thing? What's the secret? What's the sauce that I'm bringing in that's, that's unique, that's going to really help people the most? And it's really fascinating. All of it always, always comes back to the most simple thing. And it's the most profound. And it's the breath. And I know that's crazy. Like, well, what are you talking about? Just the breath. And most people don't, don't breathe. They don't consciously breathe. And if you're listening to this, I just want you to reflect. Like, when's the last time you've taken, like, a conscious breath where you just, like, breathe all the way in and breathe all the way out? And there's so much power in that. The breath is a bridge between the conscious and unconscious. It's really quite fascinating the more you contemplate it and explore it. Your, your breathing, you you can't live without your breath. The breath is the one thing that is with you from your first breath when you're born until your last breath when you die. It is the one thing that is constant. Like it's it's it changes its rhythm, but it's always with you. And just think about how many iterations of self that you've had, how many times you've changed, how many times you've grown, how many times your personality has changed, you like different things, you have different friends. You're constantly changing, but your breath is an anchor point that is always with you your entire life. That's really fascinating. The breath, as soon as you decide to take conscious awareness of it, you can all of a sudden decide to control it. And if I'm like, okay, now I'm going to decide to breathe. Now it's in my conscious awareness. When you're focused on your breath, you can't get lost in the narratives and the stories that your mind's telling you because you only have so much awareness, right? And so if you're lost in thought thinking, maybe it's, you know, man, what's my boss going to say? Uh, I don't know if I did this project right, or I'm late, or, you know, what am I going to do for lunch? Or I wonder what my you know, partner's thinking, like all of these stories that the mind has, if you come back and just start breathing, you can't think about that stuff and think about breathing. So the breath brings you back into the present moment. It brings you back into the body. And it is a tool that is scientifically proven that can regulate your nervous system. So if you take a, a four-second inhale and then a longer, let's say, seven seconds of an exhale, if your exhale is longer than your inhale and you take those long, slow exhales, you will a- actually drop your nervous system in the, like as short as like six to ten breaths. You'll drop your entire nervous system from a sympathetic fight-or-flight, fear response, activated nervous system. You know, everybody talks like you get cut off on the road or somebody says something and you're just like triggered. If you take six to ten breaths, longer exhales, and just your nervous system will actually regulate come into parasympathetic and it will calm you down. And so I feel like it's not, it's almost like too simple to even think, but what I'm really feeling on the most simple way is we just need to give people their breath back. And if people learn to breathe and they learn to breathe together too, that's the cool thing about doing this within business and within culture and within community. If we get a a leadership team together and we hold a circle, and even like a Zoom call, and we get everybody to take three breaths together, their energy actually will come into resonance, will create safety, and they'll co-regulate together. And so you learn as a heart-led leader, if I can use my breath and learn to regulate my own nervous system, if I'm talking to an employee or a, you know somebody that's above me or a colleague, and we're having maybe a tough or challenging conversation, and I feel someone's nervous system get unregulated or dysregulated, I can actually... Use my breath to calm them, and then use my communication tools to bring them back into the present moment. So we don't get lost in our minds and our stories. So it's really, it's like, it's so simple, but it's 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 not at the same time. And it's really just yeah. about like breathing. If you can learn to breathe, you can really just you know change everything.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, it's it's it is simple because if you're breathing, like you said, if you're focusing on the breath, it's it's really difficult to be stressing out about the, the future or worrying about something in the past at the same time so it is like the quickest freest most accessible thing you can do I think for your mental health and for your overall well-being um but I really love how you're pairing that within a business setting within like a leadership setting and um empowering people I suppose to empower other people through their breath because I think that's um that's really special and it's not work I've seen done before. So um, good on you. And I think, uh, I think it's really powerful, the, the work you Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You are doing? Um, Thank
0: you. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Something as simple as the breath and we don't, yeah. we're never taught, we're never taught how to not, breathe.
1: Not taught, not taught. Actually, yeah. it's quite interesting. My, um, my partner, he was a chiropractor and one of the things he studied- through you know the course at university was the way that children breathe and kind of learn their uh, initial movement patterns and if you look at babies they actually breathe through their bellies they take mm-hmm. those belly breaths and they breathe properly but it seems that like we unlearn that as we grow up through our posture through our movements through our day-to-day life we actually unlearn that so mm-hmm. i think learning to breathe again Is something that could be so valuable for people. Um, But on this topic, I just wanted to ask you do you have a a daily practice or something you do um, for your breath, or is it something you just try to be conscious of overall?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I try to take, uh, remind myself to take conscious breaths throughout the day, even if it's, you know, just a few breaths. Like I feel either overwhelmed or feel, yeah, rushed or feel busy. I'll just, you know, take one simple breath and that really helps. Um, I do have a meditation practice where I'll go and silence and, you know, it's mostly currently contemplation where I really will bring something and contemplate it and kind of it's that listening practice. Um, but using the breath to drop into that. Um, and then I do have a cold plunge. I cold plunge pretty regularly. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with that, it's just like a trough that is like 35 degrees water. I know the rest of the world uses Celsius.
1: So nice and probably. cold.
0: Nice and cold. It's like right above freezing temperature, and uh, that really is like it forces me to breathe and focus on the out breath because naturally, when you get into cold water, you like <sighs> so you have to like focus your breath too. So there's just a few different ways I I like to breathe, and event like every now and then I do like a breath work where I like. Breathe, you know, heavy ex- for an extended period of time to move some energy, um, and that's usually if I'm moving through something more challenging and some more deeper kind of psychological work and some deeper emotions that may feel stuck. Then I'll do some some heavy breathing to move that energy.
1: Yeah, awesome. It's nice to use in confluence with other things that you're doing, um, and I suppose everyone can tap into it. There's so many like um, breath meditations as well, but I was just more curious for yourself personally. Um, There is one thing I wanted to ask you about. I'm going to take a little pivot here. I saw it on your Instagram and I was very, very curious into the whole concept. And you were speaking about how you did a bit of a dopamine detox and that really stemmed from you reframing habits and I guess the role they play in your life, the the repetition of doing things over and over. So can you share just a little bit about that dopamine detox, what it involved and what led you to actually do it in the first place?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm I'm really quite quite deep in this process and this dance um, with myself, and so I'll dive into it. Um, so, originally, uh, this is probably like three months ago. My uh, my friend recommended a book called Dopamine Nation, and it talks about uh, the dopamine receptors in the brain and how it's our reward system, right? And so, anytime uh, I do something. It releases dopamine. Let's and it can be like for me. I have a lot of habits, and so like I like smoking cannabis, uh, nicotine gum, nicotine pouches. I used to chew tobacco when I played football, so that's a habit that I have. Um, you know, then there's you know like Netflix and Instagram and those kind of things that release dopamine. Uh, and then there's healthy things that release dopamine, like and it's it's the difference between easy dopamine that you don't really earn. And then dopamine that you earn. So like going and getting a good workout in and getting a pump or going on a long run that releases dopamine in the reward centers as well. And going in an ice plunge is probably one of the best things you can do for your dopamine. Cause it has like a, it, it, it releases dopamine, but it's an extended release over time. So there's all the, like basically anything we do and we feel good afterwards, whether it's a drug or a workout or something that feels good, it's dopamine getting released. And so What I found when I read that book, it really opened my eyes because it talks from that book the lens of addiction, really, like alcohol addiction and drug addiction. And so I was reading it, and it really got me thinking about my own relationships to all these different substances and all these different things that I use to get dopamine. And in that process, I realized, wow, if I put everything that I do under one umbrella of dopamine, I am a dopamine junkie. And I'm addicted to just wanting dopamine. And what I found is I justify this part of myself because if I'm smoking too much cannabis and it it becomes uh, kind of like, like, you know, it's controlling me a little bit. I'm not usually, I'm not choosing it. I'm not doing it with as much intention and I'm just like smoking, you know, daily. I'm like, oh, let me just, I'm I'm, I'm smoking too much cannabis. So let me just kind of stop smoking. But then when I stop smoking, I'll start microdosing psilocybin a little bit more or I'll start chewing nicotine gum more. I'll I'll replace it. I replace it. And so what I found is like if I put everything under dopamine, I'm always just choosing something to get that dopamine release. So I felt really called. It talks about a dopamine detox and a dopamine reset. And um, there's a podcast, the Huberman podcast. He's a a neuroscientist from Stanford who has a really good podcast. Such a good podcast. Yeah. And so he talks about dopamine quite a bit and like how to use it and – so I was like, you know, and my buddy was like, I did a week long dopamine reset. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. So I did a week long dopamine reset and it felt really good. But then I got back into my my habits uh, and then I decided really, uh, I kind of went deeper and I started confronting this part I called my inner addict. And because I was now seeing, I was justifying my addictive personality or my addictive um, parts of myself because I wasn't. I would say I'm not addicted to any one thing. But then when I put it under like, oh, I'm addicted to this or I'm escaping from something. So I wanted to really explore that more. And so I decided to take a whole month off. I took 30 days off and I felt really clean, really clear, really good, really balanced energy. And then about a week ago, I was like, you know, I'm so proud of myself. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll a joint and smoke some cannabis and just have a good day on a Saturday. And I did that. And then, you know, I, I smoked again. And then I did, like, I had some ice cream. And I kind of just, like, all these habits just started, like, coming back online, like, really quickly. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, like, what what is this? Like, why can't I control this? And so I'm really, it's it's I'm glad you asked the question because I'm really in the middle of this dance with it and realizing, you know, because I don't like to think of it as, like, I want to be, like, total sober and have a problem. But then I do, but so many people do, and so like, where's the balance? How do I navigate this journey? And I think it's interesting because a lot of people are very intrigued by this by this dopamine thing because like that was one of the biggest kind of things I shared on Instagram, and like everybody I've talked to, they like they light up when I talk about it. So I'm v- feeling very called to really dive even deeper. But I'm in this place now where I'm going back onto a detox uh, for the next few weeks. Um, and really dancing with like how do I implement some of these things without losing control and i haven 't mm-hmm. really figured that out yet yeah.
1: well, let us know when you do yeah. <laughs> but i think it's um I think it 's an interesting conversation, right because it 's not to it 's not to say that we can 't have these things in our life that we enjoy. I think that 's beside the point. I think more to what you were saying it 's about number one having the awareness of okay, I have the capacity to understand that all these things fall under an umbrella. So if I'm switching in between things, it's not as though you're taking a break from any one of them and, and having that knowledge, okay, they're all fall under dopamine and knowing when it's kind of an overload, right? And then, like you said, when you're jumping back in or coming off the detox, or if you've had a pause or something, it's now you're conscious of all those natural thought patterns that happen over and over. And it's quite interesting because a habit basically is formed, right, once you've got that neural pathway in your brain. So the second you kind of kickstart or it's the initial action that gets everything flowing, it's really just like a neurological process after that point. It's just ingrained in your mind and it takes so long to kind of re- that's why habits generally are so hard to shake. Mm. Um, But I think it's an interesting conversation because I think a lot of people may have habits they don't necessarily see as um, something that they would benefit detoxing from in 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 one respect and on and in the other respect not necessarily grouping them and so seeing it as having a break from any one of them is is having a you know a general break when you may just be switching in between but I guess I wanted to ask you what's kind of the what is your what was your goal with doing that because any one thing in moderation, I suppose, is not bad. Do you feel like you are overindulging? Is that why you sort of chose to do that? Is it because you want a little bit more control and don't want it to be like something that's just like an automatic process that you don't think about? because i I note that you said you felt a really, really balanced energy when you kind of removed all of the dopamine hits, or at least to that extent I'm assuming and so what was your what's your mission, I suppose, of, of trying to find your footing between the control and the habit if that makes sense
0: yeah I mean that's the oh man that's the dance that I've been deepening with and it's been a while like it's been years I've I've danced with like you know when when is enough like what are these habits and you know even like coffee like coffee's like you know America's drug like there's coffee shops on every corner and it's a, it's a legal drug that Like our entire population pretty much is addicted to but it's okay Australia is the same (laughs) yeah and like the Starbucks line is like you know at 4 p.m. or 3 p.m. in the afternoon it's around the thing I'm like it's the middle of the afternoon and everybody's grabbing coffee and it's just it's really fascinating to witness and so I just started looking at that stuff within myself and you know to be completely honest um I think I don't have any problem with any of these things. So I think the first step for me was the judgment of self and the judgment of these things. So like my relationship with cannabis, like, oh, cannabis is bad. Like growing up, like it's a drug and you're not supposed to smoke it. So it was really kind of like a shadow thing for me for a long time. And playing in the NFL, like if I got caught smoking weed, I would have got suspended. So it's like really bad. And obviously the, a lot of the laws are changing. A lot of the states, it's legal now. You can just buy it. So that whole narrative's really shifted. And within myself, it's like, oh, I, I've developed a relationship. I I love cannabis. Now, can I abuse it? Yes, but now I, I'm like, I'm not judging it as a thing. I'm judging my relationship to it. So it's just a different like step ahead. Same with nicotine, right? Like nicotine is a nootropic. You can use nicotine if you're if you have balance with it to really like focus. Like if I'm doing some writing, I take some nicotine. But for me, it's like all of a sudden I find myself. Throwing a nicotine gum in and I'll have more nicotine throughout the day than not have nicotine. So it's like, okay, the balancer. So I found all of these things, my relationship to each one of them, letting go of the judgment of the thing. And so I've done a lot of work on that. Like I don't think really anything's bad. I think there's some book I read or some podcast I listened to where there's some like professor at Harvard or Yale that uses, um, uses heroin pretty regularly, but he uses it like as balance. He like snorts it for like as a, as a tool. But he doesn't do it like, you know, what we think of when someone does heroin. And so I thought that was really fascinating. It's like Because all of these things, if you use them in the right way with balance, like everything can be a tool or a poison. And so that was the first thing. And then I started, you know, kind of broadening my perspective. Okay, nothing, nothing none of this is bad. So how do I find balance with it? And then so recently, this is the journey I'm going on now. And I'm actually going to release a solo cast about this. Um, but I've been in the middle of the dance. Is I was actually in Vegas uh, about two months ago and uh really confronted this 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 inner addict part of myself and it was with you know i was gambling at the tables and every time i go to vegas you know i've made a lot of money in my life and i can go and i can lose a little bit of money and it doesn't really affect me financially but this time i went with my partner and she watched me on the tables and this is a long story short i ended up being able to witness myself through her eyes and i saw what a degenerate i was i was like oh and it was like really like it was enlightening. It was like eye-opening, like, oh my God, like I, I did not have control, but some part of me was telling me like, oh, this is fun. I'm in control. And it was the, the, the addicted part of myself. And so when I got back, I was like, man, I really need to confront this part of myself. And with that was all of my other habits that I've been dancing with. And so that's why I decided to take the 30 days off. I was like, I'm going to take 30 days off and just really reset. And like, what does it feel like to be clear? And my sense is that, be, like if I'm not like there's the chemical addiction and 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 the 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 love of these different habits, but then there's also like what what am I hiding from? What is is there some underlying psychological trauma or story that I'm using these tools to numb out? And what I realize is, I, as I reflect on my life, when I started drinking when I was I was probably like nineteen or twenty, I started drinking um, like socially with friends and stuff. Thinking back and like through college. Thinking back on my life, I don't know the last time I was really sober for a, like a couple weeks or a month at a time. And like when I say sober, I mean that includes like nicotine, coffee, um, like all of the little things too that we like as a society is like, oh, that's, that's not an addiction. That's okay because everybody does it. Like I don't know the last time since I was 18, 19 years old that I was actually probably even for a few days actually completely clean as far as dopamine goes. And so that was really eye-opening to look at everything from that lens. And so got cleaned up for 30 days. And then, like I said, like a week ago or two weeks ago, I started implementing some of these habits and then I just started losing control again. Like like all of them like, whoa, okay, what is this? And so for me, my, my intention currently of what I'm working through is really deepening my connection to spirit, deepening my connection to my higher self, to my heart, to that voice that we spoke about earlier. how, I spoke about listening and being able to listen to what's coming through. And what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks that I've started getting on these habits uh, and losing a little bit of control with them is I'm not as centered. I'm not as clear and I'm not as in flow and I don't feel as connected. And so for me, it's it's really becoming clear that if I want to deepen my connection to spirit, deepen connection to my higher self, deepen connection to my purpose, feel really good in my body find flow and happiness, then <clears throat> I want to commit to that. And so that's the process I'm in now. And today is actually my first day of like deciding that. And it's going to be a dance. I know. It always is. I mean, the 30 days I did when I like let go of all of it was actually pretty cool. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at.
1: I think that's really cool. I think the whole concept of um, – Detoxing from something you love is, is a tough one to even embark on in the first place. But just listening to you talk, I've kind of had my own thoughts and I, and I feel like if you really love something, right, and you feel like you have all these different habits that you really enjoy, um, I think firstly to step away from calling anything good or bad is, is a really good first step. And, but I think the detox is almost uh, a really important thing to do to really just make sure that that thing or that habit is fulfilling you in some way and not necessarily just serving as potentially escapism. And I think just by doing a detox, so say you have all these things you really love, if you were to just commit to like even one week, you could really take a step back and see if they all connect and and fall under that umbrella, like you were saying. So if if you tend to have a more addictive personality, you might have a string of things which you feel are not connected. So say like, binging on social media or Netflix and smoking marijuana may be in two different camps in your mind, but they may fill the same void emotionally. Like you said, it might be something you're running away from. So I think for anyone listening who is, you know, might just be curious to do a deep dive in their habits and, and really just get to the core of what purpose they serve in your life. I think that's a, the detox is something really interesting to consider. But I, I did want to ask you something, um, because 30 days is quite a long period of time when you think about Completely removing things that give you a a straight dopamine hit. But I wonder, and um, I'd be curious to hear your experience did you find that as a byproduct of removing those things, you started to get dopamine from other things that maybe you didn't before, other things that you felt more present in that potentially gave you, let's say, maybe a cleaner or um, just a different level of dopamine? Did you find you had any urges to fill that void? In other things that maybe you hadn't paid attention to before, or did it just open you up to, I guess, appreciate life in a bit of a different way? I'm just curious because you would have had a lot more mental space um, without all those other distractions, shall we say? Um, So, be curious to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think my baseline of dopamine was higher, so I got this natural. uh, It was this is like a more zest for life, more gratitude, more presence. I did, I think, I mean, I, I I found myself like using media and my phone a little bit more because those are such subtle things and like using my phone. And, you know, I probably put more energy into, into work as far as like, cr- and it was a good thing. Like, it wasn't like I dove into work, but it was like I had more creativity and more flow. So work was flowing, more stuff was coming through. I put more energy into my relationship, like, you know, hugs felt better um creating connection time um and like all of that was like was you know even deeper and more profound so i just like noticed the yeah the simple things in life rather than using you know it's like dopamine that was earned felt that much better than the dopamine like just a quick cup of coffee and you know or smoking a little bit of weed or taking the nicotine Mm -hmm. or going on instagram so it's just yeah felt good
1: no that's awesome i think um I think it's just something interesting to contemplate, right? Yeah, I just I saw that when you posted it, and it's something that really, really intrigued me. But I suppose that if 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 anyone listening, I guess, was curious to do it or not, I think if anything, if all you get is a reference point to how you feel, you know, without all of these things, versus then when you bring them back on board and notice the difference and just being conscious of that, I think that's a lesson in and of itself. And I think, um, like you said, without without constantly depleting it and just knowing what that. That kind of more maintained or sustainable baseline feels like I think is would be very interesting to do um so something for people to think about, I suppose <laughs>
0: yeah, good luck, everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I definitely would say I guess follow along uh Joe's own journey and 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 link up on his podcast too i'll, I'll pop links below so you can see more as this his uh i guess thoughts sort of co- come a little bit more concrete. Maybe, as you dive into another detox or or ponder on it a little bit more, um, but I just wanted to ask you for people who have really love this conversation today, who want to follow along your journey and see where the heart collective goes, join the community, where's the best place they can do so, and I'm going to pop links to all of all of them in the show notes below.
0: yeah, I appreciate it we got a we got a telegram, which is the main place our community lives, the heart collective um and it's grown every day which is really cool so join the telegram that's where we have conversations with the community around heart led leadership and you can stay up to date on all the things that we're doing um our website's heartcollective.org that's h a r t heartcollective.org you can uh find everything i'm working on on the website uh, i got my podcast which is called drop into the heart h a r t uh where it's a combination of solo casts talking about my journey and then uh incredible guests where we talk about um, yeah kind of this You know, evolution of humanity and what it feels like to create a more beautiful world together and um, really focus with everything that I do on cultivating community, connection, growth, healing. And so if you're on a journey where you feel like you're uh, being called to let go of stuff or you are contemplating or inquiring about deeper levels of reality and deeper understanding of self, uh, you are not alone. And You know, Finding a community for me has been one of the biggest impacts of my life, feeling supported, feeling seen, feeling heard. So that's really what I'm passionate about. And I would love to connect with anybody that feels called to join the journey.
1: Thank you so much, Joe. I'm really grateful that you've uh, come on the show today to download your, I guess, experience and just share your mission and message. And uh, I'm really looking forward to following along and seeing where the Heart Collective spreads all around the world.
0: Thanks, Erica. I appreciate it.